As Linda comes to read the scripture, I want you to take just some time to not only listen, but to, I think it's going to be on the screen, look at these pieces and see if you can pick out some of the sayings and see if you can pick out some certain phrases that may be familiar and some certain stories that may be familiar. And let's see where they come from. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 19, verses 16 through 30. Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, I have kept all of these. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, Look, We have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children, or fields, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. What's going to be happening behind me on the screens are statements that are going to be scrolling, and What you see on the left of the screen is a picture of Plato, and on the right of the screen is a picture of Jesus. But what I'd like to do is read you something and see if you can figure out where this came from. God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God is not finished. God's power, consistency, and love lives on in the continuation of God's creating power. God's purpose is to take chaos and create order, to heal, to set at liberty the captives, to give sight to the blind and lift up the brokenhearted. Because it is what God offers, it is our call to offer the same. 
And remember, God's goodness or kingdom can overcome even the greatest of humanity's moral frailty and failure. Therefore, it must be sought first, seek first that understanding, that life. To live, that is the imperative. To focus on the heavenly things and not on the earthly realm is what life is meant to be. Therefore, our soul's singular and most important task is to come out of the darkness and into the light that is God. So, don't repay evil with evil. Evil begets evil. Seek the greater good. It is what God intends for all of us and can only truly be found through the Spirit of God. And it is found most often and most readily in even the deeper friendships. Remember, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. That kind of love is boundless, endless, and overshadows every human frailty. It is how God loves. And remember, the eye is the lamp into the soul And strengthening the soul, saving the soul, no matter the soul, is of much greater importance, a much higher priority than seeking to find any human pleasure. That is the will of God. Therefore, holiness and righteousness and purity are to be sought above all things. And God's servant will guide us. God's presence uphold us. And God's providence will undergird us. Remember, the love of God moves through all things. All you need to do is look at the plants in the field or the flowers or even the birds of the air. If God takes care of them, might God also seek to be taking care of us? Order is there. God is there. God is here. God is everywhere. Those are but a few and you see some more. Scrolling on the screen. Where did they come from? I think for some, we believe that somehow Jesus, from the time of his birth, just knew all of that. Just was able to teach all of that. Even though he grew up, as I've said before in this series, in a very small enclave of Judaism in Galilee, which was a completely different version of Judaism than what took place in Jerusalem. I want to suggest that maybe Jesus was able to take some of what he saw and heard around him and incorporate it into something new. The words that you heard me read really could be found from 400 to 450 to 500 years before Jesus was even born. These are the words of Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. These are schools of Greek philosophy that would have surrounded Jesus. And a a reminder that as a child, if he went to work with his father, Joseph, he would have gone to Sepphoris, this incredible building um, project that was to be Herod's kind of throne, basically. Or when he was a teenager to go to the other direction, 12 miles the other direction from Nazareth and help build the community or the city of Tiberias to honor Caesar. In both of those building projects, Jesus would have absolutely without question run into different schools of philosophy. 
He would have heard those truths. He would have taken those truths in and been able, I think, to kind of incorporate them later on in his life with what he heard as he grew up in the Jewish school in Nazareth, the law of the Torah. But even beyond that, as a follower of John the Baptist later in his life, he would have heard a different understanding and different stories. There's no doubt but that Jesus heard from the Zohar and the Mishnah and other writings of Jewish philosophers. He would have been able to to see them and hear them and decide which ones he felt most fit the call of God. I don't think, friends, that somehow instantaneously, after even after Jesus' baptism in the Jordan, that somehow instantaneously he just gained all of this stuff, that somehow he just knew it. But unlike anyone ever in history, Jesus was able to take every piece of that, all of those pieces of that, and bring them together into a new teaching. And he did it with authority. He did it with authority. I've said to my classes, there's something that happened to him in the river that day. And I do believe that he was a follower of John the Baptist for a while and then finally chose to be baptized. Something new took place when he came out of that water. And what we see in the Gospels is that God basically opens the heavens and says to Jesus, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. In whom I am well pleased. Had Jesus heard that before that day? We don't have any record of that. But then what happened is he comes out of the water and he immediately goes where? Into the desert. For how long? 40 days. And what does 40 always mean when we find it in Scripture? A new beginning. So Jesus takes his desert retreat. I'm not sure I'd call it the desert, a place of retreat. But it's hot, and Jesus is tried by fire. But 40 days, think of 40 days. Whether it was really 40 days or not, it represents something new. And can you imagine him out there taking these different pieces of understanding, taking all of these different truths from throughout his life, understanding that he was a beloved child of God, and now being able to take those and bring them together in a way that no one had ever done before. Ever. And then, here's the other miracle in this. No matter where he went throughout that region, Tyre, Sidon, Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, even down in the Essene communities down by the Dead Sea, Even in Samaria with the woman at the well, he was able to communicate a teaching of openness and acceptance, a teaching of this is what God is calling you to be to every single one of those populations. Every one of them was able to hear like Pentecost this message in their own language and in a way that they would understand. One example is the Essenes believed that a child or king of light was going to come and illuminate what God's intentions were for the world. 
And what did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. I am. Gosh, God, we feel like somehow, I think, too many of us feel like, again, that what Jesus taught was this incredibly narrow teaching when, in fact, if we look at the historical aspect of all of this, what Jesus became was the ultimate hybrid. The ultimate hybrid. And yet, we have to ask ourselves, why in the world was were those around him able to hear it then? And you carry it all the way through history. And here we are today, sitting in a sanctuary, seeking the teachings and life of Jesus. What is it? And even some of those teachings 400 to 500 years before his time. I want you to think about the United States. It wasn't united and it wasn't states 450 years ago. 450 years ago, we would be, and Thanksgiving's coming, if you get my meaning, we'd be talking about the pilgrims and the Native Americans. And look at the differences between then and now in our understanding of anything. And yet, with God through Christ, through Jesus, the truths that took place long before he was born became embodied in him and now have continued on into history. How incredible is that? So, Pastor, what does that mean for us? It's a great history lesson. But I'll tell you what it means for us. Those that would see Jesus in a, an incredibly narrow way are wrong. They're wrong. Jesus encompassed it all and brought it together into a teaching that would engage every single population around him. And are we not called to do the same? To recognize where we are and communicate this love of God, this understanding of truth to anyone who surrounds us today. And it is the call of the church to do just that. Man, instead of this, we need to be this. Oh, my friends. I, I will tell you, I will admit to you that this is new for me. And it has been this study of Jesus over these last few months that, that have just engaged this in ways that I, I certainly had never realized before. But we have a call to be that. And by the way, that transforms lives. That heals souls. That heals bodies. That gives strength. That transforms churches and communities and coming back from Vietnam. That transforms the world. Go and make disciples. It is what Jesus did. But it is all about love and grace. And those statements that you see rolling on the screens behind me. But here's the final piece. Part of the miracle of Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. God takes every can 
take every single piece of our lives as unidentifiable as it may be and can bring it together with every other experience to create something beautiful that will, in fact, help transform and help others realize the love that God brings to each of us. But here's the deal. Like the disciples, we have to be open to it. We have to study it. We have to watch it. We have to receive it. We have to then choose to share it. And we must choose to share it, no matter the population. No matter the population. This is the Jesus I want to follow. Someone who could take all of that and create this. Finally, we have to do it with authority, with confidence. That is our role. Will you pray with me? God, is it not a greater miracle that Jesus could have taken all of these pieces? Jesus could have heard from each of these schools of philosophy, from each of these schools of Judaism, from each of the cultures that surrounded him, and take it in and bring it together so that he could teach something new, new wine in new wineskins. And do it with the kind of authority that would change lives. God, help us see our lives in that way. Help us come out of that water and emerge and hear your words to us. You are a beloved child of mine in whom I am well pleased. But God, help us be open to that, to a power greater than ourselves that has been the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and maybe someday the end. But we sit in the middle of all of that. Help us be followers of Jesus. Help us be disciples of Jesus Christ. Fill us, open us, all this in Christ's name. Amen.